You know, it's always a lot of fun every year when the North Texas Commercial Real Estate uh, Organization announces the inductees into their Hall of Fame. Because, I mean, North Texas has just been blessed. You look at the other members, I mean, you go back to Henry S. Miller and Trammell Crow, Ray Hunt, Gerald Hines, and you know, it's a fascinating, fascinating crew. Scott Rorman's going to be inducted uh, when they have their ceremony next year. It was just announced. Scott Rorman, of course, we know, is the head of 42 Real Estate. Maybe more importantly, the man who really made Deep Ellum work, and he joins us right now. It's good to have you with us. Well, thank you, David. I think you might be giving me too much credit, but uh, I'm glad to be with you. Well, I don't know. You're the one who put together over 50 parcels, and finally everything clicked. I'd seen it attempted, you know, just in my lifetime, you know, a half a dozen different times and lots of failures. Um, but may, is that a, is that your approach to real estate? I mean, a lot of the, these real estate people sort of look like they date. Uh, you kind of fall in love. <laughs> That's a great way to say it. I did fall in love with Deep Ellum. I still love Deep Ellum. And so I, I guess I resemble that remark. Yeah. So tell me about the approach then, because you got to have patience. I would guess deep pockets or good investors because i mean you're in one of the most cyclical industries there is um yeah so when we went to deep ellum um the institutional money was not interested and uh so um just kind of lines converged i had been raising money from friends and family for quite a while to buy mostly land deals all cash and so we were already used to not going the institutional route and so at the time i don't think we would have been able to do the deal had we not had connections to people who were willing to bet on us and had bet on us in the past and had it had worked out pretty well and so um i had one investor say i'm invested in your midlife crisis and <laughs> when you uh when you get through it just start going doing deals that'll make money but i'll probably lose money here and through God's grace, we, we didn't we didn't lose any money. But again, the patience is, is what's the key. And I, you're still operating down there. I mean, you sold off a lot of the properties. And we actually talked about that when you did. But you're you're in the Cedars and and other sort of neighborhood areas. Yeah, we own uh, uh, 15 to 20 properties in the Cedars, mostly on Ackard Street. And then we own about 15 properties in downtown Dallas on the east side. And then we still own about 10 properties in Deep Elm. So when you do something like this, are you uh, you're skating to where the puck has got to be rather than than where it is? You tried to see. Well, that's that's right. That's a good analogy. We're skating where we think the puck might be. Um, you know, uh, I don't know how long we can blame COVID for things, but uh, uh, in the Cedars, we were working a good number of leases and then COVID hit. Um, in downtown, COVID hurt a lot, but the riots, I think, hurt even worse. And, um, um, you know, it was, it was, um, I'll just go ahead and say it. It, it, it. We, we have, um, some young ladies who, uh, grew up in South Dallas and they were down protesting, um, George Floyd's death. And, and she said, she said, Scott, we were down there and it was peaceful and there was no no violence or anything. And all of a sudden, some trucks pulled up, flatbed trucks with bricks on them, and then pickup trucks with people uh, we'd never seen before came and start throwing bricks. So, 
you know, I, I that's one person's statement to me and I wasn't there. But if that's the case, it's just a really sad testament. But it really hurt downtown. Um, and uh, it's it's still coming back. It's coming back. And it's there's really a lot of exciting things in downtown and in the Cedars and in Deep Ellum. But uh, we did have a, a probably a five year setback. But, you know, I mean, you're in the real estate business. You talk to all these people and you you, you see the trends and. And all of a sudden, Prosper and Salina and Anna and all the other girls' names that that are north of here are popular. That seems to be where where the growth is headed. I, I don't hear as much about the inner cities anymore. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of um, factors. When I um, I'm 61, I went to college at in 1979. And my freshman year, I took a sociology class, and the sociology professor wrote the textbook, and he said. Here's how cities go. Um, and he's mostly talking about older cities. Dallas is a relatively new city. But he said they, you, you have the inner core, and that's where everybody is. And then people move out, and then they move out further, and then they move out further. And at some point, they get so far out that they start coming back to the core and redo the core. And then it kind of goes all over again, and you just go a little further the next time. Dallas is, is in that first wave of really redoing the core. And there's just a lot of projects that are going that are really, really cool. And so um, it, it's um, I'm, I'm really glad to see uh, all the girls names, uh, Melissa and all the all the other cities. I think they are doing uh, very well. I think they've been very smart. Frisco, obviously, has been incredibly smart at what they're doing. Uh, but Prosper and Salina, they're they're all being smart. And I think it's great for the whole North Texas. We want those um, uh, farther out cities to really do well and um, really take great concepts and make a great place for people to live, work, play. Uh, and downtown's doing that. Uh, downtown Dallas is doing that now as well. You know, you, you talk about redoing the core. And one of the things I think about, and in particular with you and Deep Ellum, is uh, the elevated section through there, I, uh, 45, they call it 345. But I mean, that, that came along, I think it was when I was in college, I got back here and they had just built this wall between two parts of downtown Dallas. And it looks like now. And the thing is, Atlanta uh, did the same thing. And a lot of other cities did that. Uh, I think Austin probably sort of bisected the city. They tried to do it with Central Expressway. They were going to double deck Central Expressway and build, in essence, build a big wall. So are we going back the other way? Is that going to, is that going to reignite some development? You mean going back the other way in terms of possibly tearing down 345? Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, it depends on who you talk to, but I, I'm a subscriber and I could be wrong, but I'm a subscriber to, there's about 200 acres of developable property that could be uh, opened up if you redo 345. And uh, it's been great to see Michael Morris at NetCog and the city of Dallas um, really start taking the lead with TxDOT um, to drive um, things that are regional-based as well as micro-based right there in the city, right there next to 345. So it's been fun to see uh, those three entities get so involved with the project. And uh, I think that I don't know when, but I think at some point in the future, 345 will be redone and it will be redone in a way that's much better for the city. Because right now it is it's just not fun to walk under that under that overpass. 
No, like I say, it, it's a barrier. So, so it looks to me like for real estate is that that residential real estate, commercial real, I mean, uh, retail seems to be all right, but the office market just seems to be dropping off a cliff right now. In fact, I saw uh, Washington talking about earmarking billions of dollars to help developers come through and convert empty office buildings into to residential buildings. Well, I think you're going to see a lot of that. Uh, the problem is you have about a 30% utilization of the building loss. In other words, 30 when you convert uh, many, many office buildings, you're going to lose 30% usage of 30% of the square footage. It might be 20, probably won't be too much more than 30, but that's a big loss. So there's really a, depends on where you are and how tall the building is, but a lot of suburban office, it might be cheaper to tear it down, and start over. Um, and so I think the developers are and the planners and architects are really rolling up their sleeves right now to see what, what can be done and and should it be torn down and start over and you know but there's a lot of universities are buying empty office buildings right and left across the country right now because they can buy them cheap and they can get get into buildings they ordinarily couldn't get into so it's it's kind of scary you know oh my goodness what are we doing with all these office buildings but it's also kind of fun i mean it's a new puzzle to go figure out um i wish that it COVID hadn't driven people out of offices, but, um, you know, when there's a paradigm shift, it, it all, it creates opportunities. So we're trying to figure that out. You know, you at one time, I, maybe a couple of years ago, had talked about putting up a couple of high rises on, uh, in, in, on the East side of downtown, like 40 story buildings. I think it was hotels, but it was also office and residential, uh, any traction there. So, um, a shameless plug here. Our company name is 42 Real Estate. And guess how many stories the building was? <laughs> 42 stories. It was 42 <laughs> stories, yeah. Um, but uh, thanks for that. Um, <laughs> we just got out of a meeting this morning with some brokers on that property. There's nothing ready to go right now. But we had to, we did 11 different transactions to block up all the property. We were buying undivided interest from people you know, sisters and brothers who lived in Europe or lived in Asia. And, and it was just, uh, it, it took uh, three years to block all that up. And um, it, which was another fun project now that we're on this end of it. At the time, I didn't know if it was going to work or not. It was a little bit nerve wracking. But so we now have a really uh, strong site with frontage on Elm, uh, Maine, and Pearl, uh, and, and even frontage on Cesar Chavez. So it's a it's three quarters of a city block, and Beck. Um, I really want to always give them a lot of a lot of credit for designing a really cool building, um, and um, we went into partnership with them uh, on on really figuring out what to do. And I don't I don't know that much about that, so it's been great. It's one of the things I love about the city of Dallas. Um, Bill Colley and I ran into each other and Bill goes, I hear you're doing that. And I said, yeah, why don't you give me some input? Cause I'm not sure I know exactly what I'm doing. He goes, happy to. And so Bill and I talked through things. And so talked to Jack Gosnell about the retail on the bottom. I've talked to Katie Slade about the multifamily and a lot of them tell me you're stupid for doing what you're doing. And some of them say it might work. And, but, um, 
it's just been nice that people are willing to sit down with you and, and give you the the benefit of their experience and skill in terms of you know will it happen um two things have to happen you have to have a financing you have to have a tenant so uh we we need a, a tenant that would jump it off get the project um launched but if we didn't do the work that we've done so far we wouldn't have an ability to grab the tenant so right. um we we've got it teed up to where if somebody comes along we're far enough down the road that we can actually do a project you know so your peers may have anointed you and put you into the hall of fame for real estate for this area but it doesn't sound like you're ready anywhere close to hanging them up that's a good thing well well first couple things there um it's been it it's an incredible honor i'm not sure i deserve it i i, I uh I've been working hard and the, the people that you named uh, that are in this um, induction, uh, they're way bigger, more deserving than me. I'm a little guy, but uh, it's been humbling from the standpoint of the brokers, the North Texas Commercial Association of Realtors. It was brokers who chose this. And, and that's really what, what I will always feel really, really honored about is that brokers are our lifeblood and then the brokers were willing to put my name in the hat. And so um, even though I'm not sure I deserve it, um, I had one of them when they told me I, I won, they, they said, well, tell us if you accept or not. And I said, well, uh, I, I didn't realize he really wanted me to say I accept. And so I, I found he kept saying, you got to tell us if you accept. And I said, uh, well, I'm not giving it back. I can tell you that. So, <laughs> um it's a great honor. And, um, you know, my wife, uh, says, why don't you slow down? And I, I, am trying to weigh family and that, but we've got a good team here at 42. And so, um, we're going to continue marching on and, uh, I may do less, but I, real estate's my hobby. It's my love and my passion. So when I get up in the morning, I, I say, what, what, do I want to go do this or this or this? And, you know, sometimes I want to go into the woods or play golf, but uh, many, many times I'm like, man, I want to get to the office. We got, we got some fun stuff to work on. So you obviously enjoy it and, and uh, you're good for the business and it's been good to you. Scott Rorman of 42 real estate going into the real estate hall of fame next year. It's good to have you with us always. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate your uh, broadcasting. I, I learn a lot every time I listen to you. So thank you. <laughs> Thanks a lot. For more of our conversation, go to krld.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.